Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- the Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will mm. sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate- some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc., You don't know what to expect, but now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies, and now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows Me Undies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Me Undies, comfort 
from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. That really pissed me the f*** off. Literally everything was going amazing. Literally. I am the perfect person to be his wife. But then these losers create these problems when everything is fine. I don't want to feel this annoyed. But I am. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And this is the fifth episode of season 25 week four of the regular season and we have conclusive evidence that tyler cameron and matt james are both deep in the pit and have listened to every episode we've ever done and probably memorized most of it because last week tyler cameron used our term "hooju" in an e-news interview this week matt james used our term mikasa to describe the mikasa date he is so deep in the pit. Matt James has listened to every one of your Charles journals. <laughs> There's no other explanation for it, ladies and gentlemen. We coined the term Mikasa to refer uh-huh. to that exact date where a player goes to the Leeds home, either to cook or watch a movie or do whatever. And he said it. It fell from his lips. I heard and saw this happen. Normally, I would argue with you and I would say... Mikasa is part of a very common phrase that people use. But you know what? <laughs> just gonna just gonna give it to you tonight, Clues. Yes, I believe Matt James has listened to every <laughs> podcast episode. Hello to you right now, Matt James. And Tyler, unblock us on Instagram. Regorify your profile, Matt James, <laughs> with a follow from Gore. <laughs> but wh- whatever the case may actually be, whether or not they're in the pit or whether or not they listen to our podcast at all, certainly they, or certainly Tyler Cameron used the terms of it, but more importantly, what we saw tonight in the big game, I believe, was hard evidence that we are now in that professional era that we keep talking about. Everything is play. Everyone knows every part of the game. Everyone is doing their best to use certain strategies within the game at the most opportune moments. We're through the looking glass. This is it. We're in the professional era now. I mean, none of the players get to the point that they are at in game, whatever it is, top 15, 12. How many do we have to? Uh, the numbers are going up and down as they bring new players in. There's Heather Martin's going to show up next week and add another one to the fucking math. I don't know how they're doing it. Regardless, you don't get to this point unless you are a high-level player. We're starting to see a lot of the floaters leave the game. We're actually ending an episode with fewer players than we had at the beginning of the episode, which we haven't had in a couple weeks. Still no rose ceremony, which is really just, come on. At this point, you got to snap into the format. Even the most good girl strategy players, Serena P, Abigail, they still seem kind of (laughs) calculated. The plays, the 4TR plays still feel like they know what they're doing. And the players who aren't playing good girl strategies are just out in the fucking open about it. What MJ did tonight? I mean, what many of the players did tonight is just open gameplay. 
I don't know if MJ's was a strategy or not, <laughs> or a series of errors. <laughs> I'm not saying she was good at the plays, but she understood when to make them and that they had to be made. When she, I mean, we'll get to it, but when she goes on the group date and she's like, the good thing about group dates is you can either sit back or mm-hmm. you can really shine. It's like, exactly. That's exactly that's what you do on a group date. She understands the strategy. Let's just get into it. Yeah, let's just get into it. Yeah. Here you go. Now we're going to get, we've, we've said enough of the show we're about to already do. We will now give you what you came here for. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. For the fifth episode in a row, we start with this flash forward scene. This time, it's Victoria saying this night is going to be torture and her trying to walk away from the camera saying, literally stop, this is not fun. And then her crouching over saying, if that happens, I'll literally die. (laughs) Which obviously is not true, but this fucking cold open sets the tone. This is like the thesis for tonight's episode. Tonight is going to be torture. That is played off face. You don't see Victoria say it. It's from an ITM somewhere and they lay it over. It's just a disembodied voice telling all of us at home what you're about to watch is going to be torture for everyone involved. Yeah, we savor their suffering. Joy for us. That's what the game is, and we've said this multiple times. Most of the bumpers that DLH records throughout history since season one, they highlight the fact that people are going to have their emotions shattered, that people are going to be destroyed. Who will find love and who will walk away from the chance to ever be with anyone again? That type of shit. And this now is just them using a player to do it. We then go back in time and we get this beautiful shot that it kind of reminded me a little bit of The Handmaid's Tale, where it's like we see two pairs of women taking a walk during the daytime. And Victoria says, I love the OGs. And we see her walking with an OG kit. And she is salivating at the torture she is going to put on to others saying we haven't even started the hazing process and we see them register they're about to pass walk by two new girls and they don't say anything or this audio is cut it's in this moment that i'm watching this and i agree with you it's a beautiful shot big wide shot they're walking down this little concrete path super green grass out in nature And all I'm thinking to myself is, all four of these women, the OGs and the two new players who they're going to cross, were just sequestered in their hotel rooms, isolated. Maybe the producers were even doing ITMs with them, ginning them up. Come on, these people hate you. This people doesn't like you, whatever. And then they put them in those pairs and they say, release. You guys walk from this direction, you walk from that direction. You're going to cross each other. Maybe they don't know they're going to cross each other, but this is a set up shot. I definitely don't think they're getting like free play. Like you can just walk the grounds. I definitely don't think it's set up like that. No, I'm telling you, this was all directed. Like they had these players standing at opposite ends of that thing and said, and begin walking. And then they did. And whatever happened, if they were going to meet in the middle and have a fight or whatever, fine. But at least starting positions were determined by producers and the timing of it and shit. All of this is completely directed. This is a movie we're watching now. We don't even know if the audio is even in it. We hear Victoria saying, 
that are disgusting and Kit saying, don't let them hear you say that. Brittany ITMs that there is difficulty with this rumor of her being an escort going around. It's hard. She's never dealt with bullying like this. And then we cut to a shot of Katie putting on makeup as she is ITMing. If you're going to be a mean girl, I'm going to call you out. That shot of her putting on makeup also, she was like outside on a balcony or something. I was like, she's not doing her makeup out there. That was all set up as well. A lot of this episode was, and we're going to get to it, but we're also now in this era. We've talked about this with the professional era. There is also this thing we've been theorizing for a while, about a year, that the producers are taking more and more liberties with what they are doing to manipulate the situation. And we have theorized that that's going to become increasingly apparent and insane. And tonight is unbelievable proof of that to me. This is one of the most manipulated seasons we've ever seen. By the way, here we see also a conversation between Anna and MJ, where MJ is like, did you get to talk to her, meaning Brittany? I heard she was kind of bummed. Anna says, I'm fine with her. I don't give a fuck anymore. And MJ says, you're good. You did the right thing. (laughs) Bringing up this rumor that... (laughs) will be with Brittany's name in Google searches forever. Well, certainly they're painting Anna and MJ as the villains here in this situation, as the instigators of all of it and the purveyors of this horrible rumor. And then Matt James enters the cocktail party that night and he kind of lays down the law. He says he's heard it's a toxic environment and there's bullying that's happening and he knows that there is a rumor going around that could destroy someone's life he is not down with that it's not what he's looking for in a wife and this segment is something that all leads do pretty much every season there is a moment where something happens in the house usually people are being called out for being 4TWR that's the the most common catalyst for this exact speech but in this case it's about bullying toxic environment Sometimes it can be about people not taking the process seriously and the lead will come in to reset and say, if you're not here for the right reasons, I don't want you here or get out. That's essentially the purpose this speech serves. Meanwhile, MJ is saying the new girls are going to try to get to the front of the line, but let the varsity squad go in first. Anna is happy. She's quote unquote, finally above some people. (laughs) And Victoria says, it's still OGs versus newbies. And then after Matt's speech, he pulls Brittany first. This is a bachelor's preference. This is when the bachelor or bachelorette takes a player without them having to steal or aggressively pursue one-on-one time with the bachelor. And then this interesting thing happens. Brittany goes off with Matt James, and the other women are sitting around talking, and they try to smoke out the tattletale, because everybody now knows somebody had to tell fuck of Matt James that it's a toxic environment and all this shit's happening. <laughs> And so they're all like, who was it? And Katie just fucking sits there, stone cold silent. She ain't falling into this trap. Too many times you see players who do a successful title will blow themselves up inadvertently because somebody will be like, who fucking told them? And then they they feel obligated to be honest about it. And they're like, I did. And then you get fucked. Katie avoids this. It's fucking beautiful to watch. You also, if you tattle... You don't want them to have all of the information when they go into their conversations with Matt James. So Katie being silent makes it more likely that those women are going to blow up their own games. So Brittany plays this perfectly. She tells this story 
I knew I wasn't going to come into open arms. Anna came up to me and apologized and said that when I first came here, it went around the house. It sucks because this is on national TV. So this is very interesting play here because it's a PTC, but it's a PTC that just happened about her being bullied in the house. And she punctuates it with immediately crying. Tears right off the bat, very for TRR. Um, she says, my mom watches this show and it could ruin my entire life. I didn't sign up to be bullied and harassed. I signed up to find love and meet you. It hurts a lot. And Clues pointed out something to me when we were watching this. He was like, they could have cut the rumor out of the show. Yeah, so <laughs> producers are completely complicit in this. They're at least equally at fault to Anna for this. They decide every frame of what we see. This could have been eliminated from fucking reality. And you brought up a point to me earlier when she said, I didn't sign up to be bullied and harassed. It's like, that actually you did. Sorry. Sleucian protocol. Yeah. She signed the Sleucian protocol. <laughs> she did. When she signed on the dotted line and it said, you forfeit your civil rights, this is now what's happening. It is part of the game, unfortunately. Right. At this point. You should not have signed away your civil rights, Brittany. There was your error. <laughs> I forget about that. I forget about that clause. I'll never fuck. That to me is like the craziest thing we have uncovered in our year and a half of doing this podcast or whatever is you sign away your civil rights. That The phrase civil rights is literally in the fucking contract. You forfeit your civil the, rights. The craziest thing we've uncovered is that first flower is more important than FIMP. <laughs> <laughs> that was equally groundbreaking. <laughs> it kind of is honestly it's very very surprising at the, at the very least but yeah we uh we see her do this here and it works matt james thanks her for bringing it to his attention and he says for the process to work everybody has to be comfortable he takes it very serious he has her to bring things like this up with him because he sees a future with her so looks like this is gonna work out in her favor definitely I would argue, I mean, she's getting a good edit at this point. She's got getting a victimization edit. She looks like she's going to be able to weather the storm and come out ahead on the other side. And then Matt James pulls Anna to go talk. And we get this fucking beautiful shot, like out of The Godfather, where they're walking through this ornate hallway, hand in hand toward the camera. And it's like he's taking her to have an execution i mean it literally is like a mafia hit that's what this shot looks like the look on her face she knows something bad is coming but she's got to go there anyway oh god yeah they know it's coming right before this anna is talking with mj and mj's like well for him to walk in there so concerned was scary and he pulled britney and mj goes there's not a toxic environment in the house and i laughed so hard and Anna was so fucking annoyed. And it's like this, the idea of the toxic environment, the thing that always fucking makes me crazy about this is it's being put on a few of the players who are the ones stoking the fires mm -hmm. and all this kind of shit. And yes, I'm not absolving them from anything they've done within game. They've made some bad plays and they've even made some bad fourth audience plays where they're perceived as villains and bad people. But the situation of these new women, these new players coming in in the fucking fourth week or whatever is completely orchestrated by the producers. They've created the toxic environment. 
on purpose. Well, yeah, but we don't say their names. <laughs> you never. Well, we'll get to that. MJ does in a little while. She fucking does a very interesting play, which we will get to, that involves producers. But portion two opens with one-on-one time with Anna. And she apologizes to Matt James and says it was the most shallow moment of her life. And Matt James says when he talked to Brittany, she just broke down. And he was like, damn. And then Anna says she is breaking out in a rash because she is so <laughs> sad from what has happened as a result of this. All the I emotional trauma. <laughs> she tries to put on equal ground, equal measure, the rash she's breaking out in versus potentially destroying someone's life with a false rumor. <laughs> well, you have to understand, she's got this rash. She has this IFI. She tries to pair it very hard with tears here. She like puts her hands to her face. She's trying to pull them out. She can't get there. But what will make her get there is this line by Matt James saying, you know, I have to take respon- I have a responsibility to women here, to Brittany, to myself. I can't see you par- being a part of that journey anymore. And she cries at that. She's not able to do it with the, the rash about the um, outing a sex worker or, or starting a false rumor. This is that professional era. She don't care about anyone else in the show. She cares about getting far in the game. And she's like, I'm out of the game. Now I can cry. That's what really fucking gets me. Ugh. But he walks her out. She does one last face play on his chest as they say goodbye. And then he ITMs that he can see how words can affect people. And he owes it to these women to create a safe space. And that's what he's going to do. And I'm just like, can we have the clip playing when he says that of his ex-roommate on that podcast saying that she literally told him she didn't feel safe in their apartment. And he said, I don't care how you feel. He created a toxically unsafe environment. <laughs> Maybe he's learned in whatever it's been the year, I guess, since they've been <laughs> roommates. But to see him say this, knowing that exactly the opposite was true at least one year ago. Yes. And to hear Anna's exit speech when she says he doesn't need to be with somebody where that could come out of their mouth. And I'm like, he's best friends with someone like Tyler Cameron who... Lots of shit comes out of his mouth. Or the guy he was playing golf with. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know like what Matt James truly is. I don't know who he is as a person. Because the shit that I see coming out on social media is one guy. And the shit that you know his old roommate is saying is one guy. And then this is the Bachelor version of him. Which obviously is propped up by the producers and whatever image they want to portray. Even if he is doing bad shit in these dates... We're never going to see it because that's their bachelor. But I just found it astonishing that he's (laughs) saying this literally a week after the roommate said, no, he's the opposite of that. It's nuts (laughs) to me how it coincided. By the way, the roommate story that we're talking about is what we did our digging deeper about last week where Matt James's old roommate basically said that he would give out keys to tons and tons of dudes and that she came home one night and this guy was peeing with the door open who she didn't know like a giant man and um that she talked to him and was like hey like this makes me doesn't makes me uncomfortable makes me feel unsafe and he said i don't care about your feelings but in nema colon 
He has changed his ways, and all he cares about is making a safe space for all of these women. Another interesting conversation happens here where Chelsea Vaughn asks Michelle, Ryan, and Catalina, and she says, bling is a very strong word and toxic. I don't feel like the environment in the house is toxic. Victoria jumps on her, goes, I concur. And Chelsea goes, but do you guys think it is? (laughs) Focus on the people who the toxic environment is being directed at and michelle says yeah i'm fairly uncomfortable in the house people have said disrespectful things and also people are laughing at those things and they're complicit in it and serena p does this good girl line here goes i feel sick to my stomach you guys were going through that and we were just completely oblivious to it and we get a whole slew of apologies kit as well victoria is half-heartedly apologizing to everybody and Serena C. ITMs, I can't explain the kiss assery that's going on around here. <laughs> I thought that was a good line. She's not into the kiss assery. And then Ryan gets her one on one time and she tattles on Victoria in the same way that Brittany has just tattled on Anna. And that was effective. Got that player eliminated. Ryan now does the same to Victoria. She outs her for the OG cheers she did and for calling her a hoe. She engages in tear play here and is essentially using the exact same bullying PTC that we saw Brittany use against Anna, and here it's being used against the Queen Victoria. And then Ryan returns to the group and talks to Katie and Victoria, and she explains she told James about the OG cheers, and Victoria says, I'm always playful, like never malicious. (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) as long as you explain it that way, then that must be true. Yeah, she said a similar thing to Catalina I'm sorry I took your crown. It was just, like, silly. It was never malicious. So she's trying to do this gaslighting about her behavior and and make it all seem okay. And she gets very mad during this conversation and just storms off down the hallway, ITMing that she is the perfect person to be Matt James's wife. (laughs) 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 Ah, shit. Katie is doing a nice subtle thing here where she's siding with the new girls, kind of hearing them out, and it looks very 4TRR compared to these meltdowns that we're seeing from the other white women on the show. Victoria calling everyone fucking losers, creating these problems when everything is fine. And portion three, Victoria grabs Matt James. She starts off with a compliment, trying to butter him up. I loved what you said and how you handled that situation. (laughs) Ryan told me she was upset about the OG cheers. These are definitely things I can work on. I hear that you gave me a needs improvement in my uh, report card. Matt James tells her Ryan was crying and it was kind of similar to how his conversation with Brittany went about Anna. He, even he recognizes that the producers have set up this kind of back-to-back mirror PTC of being bullied that is directed at a single player. So it's not just there's general bullying in the house. It's I have been bullied by this player. Tears. And we now are going to see the exact same effect is going to occur. He needs to return the place to the safe space. He said, when you said that Ryan was a hoe for being a dancer, Victoria says, that was taken completely out of context. He goes, what context would calling somebody a hoe be acceptably 
was taken in. <laughs> and she didn't fucking say anything. I was waiting on pins it. and needles to be like, well, how is she going to fucking answer this? And nothing, just silence. because you think she's playing this 10-dimensional chess. She's not. She's got a one note. She's the most entertaining villain that we've seen and i expected her to really explode every moment she was on screen and there were some that fell flat tonight because i think she got deflated she knew she was on her way out and just couldn't pull it together in some of these instances but he does not eliminate her on the spot i think he was probably given a command okay you can let her go but you have to wait till rose yeah that's definitely the producers they're like you can get rid of anna redmond early but not victoria we need to see her at the rose ceremony for love to help you with your relationships, Matt. You need to do that. DLH says the cocktail party is over. Matt wants to go straight to Rose. This is a verbal ting. Sometimes <laughs> you get a beautiful ting from DLH that doesn't involve a knife and doesn't involve a champagne flute. It only happens. What are you talking about a verbal ting? This was a verbal ting. It only happens when there's. I'm not. I mean, it's Can funny. You get I guess. The sentence out. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> it only happens when you have a cocktail party that gets cut short, which will be forcing turtling on some of the players. And this mm-hmm. is, of course, orchestrated by the producers once again, telling Matt James, "Okay, it's over. We're gonna go straight to rose ceremony now. We're gonna do a verbal tang. You know the dr- the deal. <laughs> it's a VT." <laughs> Uh, DLH, go do the VT. So a verbal oh tick. You still need to tell the players. You can tell Clears as an inside man with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this happens when. What the fuck was I even talking about? Uh, verbal ting VT. Oh yeah, it's when a cocktail party gets cut short. That it's like such a serious thing, and they have to paint it with this fucking gravitas. The cocktail party is ending early. There are no tings here. That's too light of a tone. DLH has to come out, holding his hands together in front of himself with a somber mood and say, Matt has made his decision. There's going to be no cocktail party or the cocktail party's cut short. We're going straight to rose ceremony. The ting would be too celebratory for this moment. So we get a verbal ting. I mean, it's usually a tone that he reserves for. There's not going to be a cocktail party straight to rose, but they're already in the cocktail party. So... But again, forced turtling. They've been doing that on group dates this season. They really are into this idea of forcing turtles, which is a way that they can force who's going to make it far in the game as well. Because in many of these cases where they're setting up the one-on-one time, they will select like, who do you want to talk to? And he gets Rachel or whoever's top picks are, and then they slot in the rest. Then they verbal ting. Then you got turtles. (laughs) Yeah. This is torture. Oh, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this, but Matt threw Katie under the bus and said Katie is the one who tattled about the toxic house. So now Victoria's going off on Katie in her ITMs. That pisses me off. Now I found out Katie is the one who fed Matt the info. Fuck you, Katie. Katie's not here for him. Fucking loser. And she goes into the bathroom. She's crying. She is conjuring real tears. We see them. In her ITM, she has tear on face. It says, things are not well. (laughs) Victoria says about Ryan, she's the shadiest bitch. I hope I don't get sent home for this. 
There's no way he can marry. Literally, I am the best option for him. I'm the only one with a working fucking brain in this room. And this whole conversation is her to a producer, but she could tell there's like a camera coming at the side of her. She said, I'm not even being rude. I'm being serious. If he's going to believe some idiot over me, he's not my person. If that does happen, it'll really suck. It'll really fucking suck because that's not the way I want to leave this situation. And I'll be so heartbroken. I'm trying to be positive, but if that happens, I'll literally die. That's where we get that line. And most of this is actually played on face. There's a little bit of Frankenbiting in this whole rant, but most of it is seemingly real. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was watching it like, holy shit, she's really just fucking laying this all out here. All right. And this is the beginning of her B.O.G. Blaze of Glory. Portion four begins and it's the rose ceremony. Victoria cries in the hallway as she walks in and she has tears on her face as she's standing on the risers. And then Matt James comes in to start handing out the roses and he gives a couple of heavy sighs through his nose and then he just starts fucking digging into the rose pile. There is no speech here. This is, he's ready to start cutting some heads off and he does it's an inauguration speech with a glance (laughs) Uh, Brittany gets first flower as we have come to expect and we get ryan rachel serena p maggie kit mj jacinia katie victoria items that katie is disgusting abigail gets a rose (laughs) chelsea gets a rose victoria items more tears she is loyal and not fake and then DLH emerges to do the dark touch, which he does before every final rose, where he pats the lead in the middle of the back and says, ladies, Matt, it's final rose tonight when you're ready. And it goes to Serena C. DLH returns to do the Tam Sig. Take a moment, say your goodbyes. <laughs> <laughs> I write it in every fucking note. He does the DT, the dark touch, the Tamsig. He does DT, then Tamsig. Uh-huh. And then we have lost four players. Catalina, Mari, and Lauren. All exit with a polite, thanks for my time here. Good luck. Nice to meet you. And then uh-huh. Victoria is the last one, of course. And she's she hiding. Up. I thought she was going to do an experimental strategy of trying to hide out with the I Rose literally did, too. I thought she was just going to stay there and like get involved in the cheers and shit, but... She walks up to him instead with her arms crossed and she says she's honestly so sorry for him that he would listen to the hearsay and not all the facts. So goodbye. And she walks out. And I thought this was a blown opportunity. Not necessarily an error because she was leaving anyway, but she could have done better than this. I expected more from her. Oh, totally. I mean, I will still classify this as a blaze of glory, but we have seen some epic BOGs in the history of our beloved game. Mad Chad on Bachelor in Paradise screaming, fuck you, Chris Harrison. Yeah. Rated R on Ali Fedotowski's season, running away in the bushes with his leg in a cast. This is up there, but it doesn't top those for me. And then she gets in a few barbs in her final ITM that she is still a queen. He is just not her king. He is a jester. She calls Katie Gross one more time, gives us some tears, and says she brought so many people joy. And she's never going to date another Matt as long as she lives because she hates that name now. <laughs> that was That's a great line. <laughs> oh, shit. And then we get a strange 
triple cheers from those that remain. Brittany gets to cheers to moving forward and starting a clean slate. Rachel gets to cheers to turning a new page and hopefully a better week in the house. And then Matt cheerses to love. And there we see the first fallout from the producer-manufactured OGs versus new players. We've got Anna getting sent home because of her transgressions against a new player. We've got Victoria being sent home because of her transgressions against a new player. And both of those players received the first two roses. Yeah, Jacenia said the new girls are getting reassurance from Matt. Jacenia knows the importance of a first flower. And second. Exactly. We need those stats. And so then the rest of this game really becomes about the final player who is embroiled in this entire fiasco. Finasco. Portion five. Oh, by the way, saw this title card. Seniors looking for love is casting again. Not dead, maybe. Old Bachelor. I am very curious to watch that show and break it down as a game because that's going to be fucking... I can't even imagine it. I can't imagine what that show would be like. Sweet Nums is going to force a separation to get on this. <laughs> Sweet Nums pulls a Jed Wyatt or a Sarah Trot. <laughs> she's yeah. married but goes on the show. Yeah, she's like, I need this for my career. You don't understand. Even Jed and Jack has something. I yeah. need something. 747 Flyer, just let me go on the show and get some clout and then I'll come back to you. Maybe I'll go on Paradise. PP and Sweet Nums on the same Paradise. I mean, that's what dreams are made of. <laughs> that's what this is all building to. If they put PP in paradise, they fucking better have sweet gnomes there or I'm going to shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thinking about Chad Johnson. Indeed. And about your... <laughs> Something that I'll bring up later when we get to group date. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So portion five begins. It is the next morning after the rose ceremony. It is raining. It's dreary. Everyone is drained. DLH enters the Nima Common Room in a very cool outfit, has a popped collar, and he forces them all to recap their plays from the prior day and discuss what their strategies are moving forward because things are changing dramatically this week, he says. We're past the halfway point of the season of play. There's less women. Means you get more time. But that makes each time you get that much more important. And then he leaves a date card. This is just open sports play, open sports talk. You've reached the halfway point of the season. We know who the front runners are, so you better leave it all on the field, ladies. I feel like I noted his tone during this as well. I feel like he's trying to convey, like, you made it to the travel round, but just with his tone, because they can't actually give them any reward for making it this far. Yeah. This is usually where that happens, where they go to Cleveland or some other domestic city and they spend a week there doing whatever. But here it's just more Nima Colon. I feel like they should have just made him go in like tents for an episode. I It is weird. I don't know why they're not doing that, like camping out in the forest or something. Yeah. Maybe it's too cold. I mean, it's probably freezing. Yeah. Rachel gets the first one-on-one. She loads her love level one. I like it more and more. The one-on-one date card says, our fairy tale begins. Phrases like this are always welcome by players because it means something very good is going to happen. Let's explore our love, 
let the fairy tale begin. Today you're going to be a queen. I'm going to show you what a princess you are. <laughs> things of these nature all mean good things for you. It's not like you're going to have to fight Tonight for you our call love. Me spoil daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then a man enters the Nima common room wearing gloves. And he says, I'm looking for Miss Rachel. Miss Rachel, your ride is ready. And this man was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. There were a bunch of bystanders this week. This guy got my Jorge Moreno bystander of the week. He comes back later and will be hitting his secondary performance. But he's sent in by the producer specifically to get these other players agitated, to see that the date Rachel's going on has somebody who's coming in and telling her, Miss Rachel, your ride is ready. <laughs> so they all know yeah. the pretty woman date is fucking coming. And this, this dude, dude could have just laid on the horn in front of the house. <laughs> but <laughs> this was more elegant. I liked his vibe, but he was not my uh, J-M-B-O-T-W. Rachel pulls up to Matt James in this Bentley and Matt tells her, you've been so patient. I want to spoil you. He just, he says, I want to spoil you over and over again. And it's so weird. I just don't like this phrase. It's also this idea of benevolence that is put upon the lead when these pretty woman dates happen, that it's like, you chose me for this. I know what this date yeah. is. I'm going to get a bunch of shit. I'm getting the the grand prize of a one-on-one date, basically. And you don't know necessarily what that's going to mean. Sometimes it's diamond necklaces, dresses, shoes, all that type of shit. He's essentially saying, I wanted to give you this date. I chose you to get the prize. It is. It is like the, the largest date prize that you can get. I mean, an early meeting of the family, that's also a prestige date, but in terms of just monetary value you can take out of the game this is the best one they go to this store a man emerges from behind a curtain wait is it a store oh i don't i thought it was just some room in nemecolon that they just put all this shit in was now that i'm saying store that's probably not right they go to some room in nemecolon where they have arranged all of these dresses around there's a curtain and a man emerges from this curtain he's got dreads and a beret celeb stylist ty hunter he was not my jorge marino bystander of the week (laughs) he wasn't mine either but matt james describes him as a good friend and ty says he's gonna help rachel find some outfits and he takes her away leaving matt james to wait for her to come out and then some fucking hardcore EDM music kicks in as we get a montage of her trying on clothes. <laughs> All I was thinking the was music like... music was odd. <laughs> I need that song. I don't know what that song was. I don't know how to find that song. I need that song to make my own song from it. Okay. So she tries on a series of dresses, twirls around. He tells her she looks good in all of them. And she ITMs that her heart is full of Matt. And then he cringles her with a pair of shoes that have red bottoms. I don't know if these are Louboutins or not, but that's the impression we're given, that they are expensive that's shoes. That's the implication. 
She even says she has never had a pair of shoes more than $40. She feels lucky and she thanks Matt James for this date and they kiss. Standard pretty woman date. You see this given out once a season and Rachel gives, gets it in season 25. And back at the Nima Common Room, all of the women are still gathered together or have been told to regather. And Serena P says the time component here is so frustrating. You have no control over your time here. And at that moment, Rachel comes in and she is, her arms are overflowing with shopping bags. There are, there's a shopping bag for every item she must have. There's probably extra bags filled with nothing. She's carrying so many bags. I really do feel like you, the uh, eco footprint on this is not good. You could have put several things in one bag. (laughs) Yes. The eco footprint is very bad on her bag load. (laughs) But also the fact that they just, they forced her to come into this room carrying all these fucking bags. The producers easily could be like, okay, you get to keep all this shit and we'll send it to you or give it to you after the season is done, after you get kicked off or whatever. Instead, they're like, now walk into that room with your arms loaded with bags and sit down on the couch and show them all what we gave you. And she's forced to do that. So she goes in and sits down and then my Jorge Moreno bystander of the week the driver gloved box man comes in with a big present miss rachel this is for you and so now it's not enough that she had to carry in like fucking twenty thousand dollars worth of free shit they're literally making her open a present in front of these other fucking players oh god it's great and she opens the fucking box and it's the dress that she's gonna wear that night to the night portion of the day more insult to injury it's like not only does she get all this free shit by the way she still gets to go to dinner with him don't forget about that all the other players oh they don't but they do get a group date card serena p brie kit piper serena c ryan michelle Brittany, maggie abigail chelsea jesenia mj the lucky winner not called is kit she's gonna get the second one-on-one And the group date card reads, love can be messy. So we know this is not going to be a date where you get spoiled. This is not going to be a date where you get to be a princess or have a fairy tale starting. You're going to be doing some kind of slop work. it's going to be the opposite. You're going to be doing all sorts of things with shit. At the night portion of Rachel's date, she greets Matt James in the dress he spoiled her with. There's a small shot in this, by the way. She This... Rolls Royce pulls up and she gets out of it. And when she gets out of it, she swings one of her legs super wide and the foot is like higher than it should be specifically to show you the red bottom of that shoe. And it almost looks Mm. like they made her do multiple takes here because she looks, it's very like forced how she's moving her leg to like really let the audience see this is the thing. It's um, interesting. I, I firmly believe they had her do multiple takes of this, getting out of the limo specifically to show the shoe. Well, they make a whole thing about the bottom of the shoe. When he gives it to her, she sees that it's red. When she's standing showing the women her gifts, someone is like, is the bottom of that red? And she kicks it out and shows them. It is a whole thing. And they sit down to dinner, and he does a cheers to spoiling you and getting to know you better. He asks why she's never been in love before. And she says, a lot of it has to do with me. Even today, I felt I was undeserving of it all. I think 
you're out of my league. I don't have a lot of confidence in myself. That can be projected on my relationships. Just playing a hard wall game here. It's pretty good wall play. It's not believable to me, but it works. Like, I think he believes it enough. He can at least roll with it in the situation he's attracted enough to or whatever the case may be that it does work. He tells her he likes everything about her. He even finds the little things that she thinks are detrimental. He finds those to be attractive as well. She L1s him here. Butterflies have not stopped since night one for her. If anything, they have grown. And then she pulls a fucking LL3. And this was my play, 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 play of the game. She says, I really am already like completely falling in love with you. And she wants to walk out of this experience with him and start her life with him. But she's scared. He says, You're not crazy because I feel the same way. This is kind of a shadow love level three as well. He's not saying the actual words, but he's giving you the implication. And then they kiss. I count it. Well, he he does it later. I mean, he literally does it in the next fucking clip, but he's like priming the pump to be able to say it. He's testing the waters. Like, can I do this? Can I go this fucking far? And there might've even been like a producer talking to him in the middle of this, like while they're on the date. It's like, yeah, yeah, you can tell her you're falling in love with her if you are. Totally. Yeah. LL3 is fine. And then of course she gets that one-on-one rose and this is where he LL3s her right as he's giving her the rose. I am falling in love with you too. They kiss. They ride away in a carriage. He says Rachel is someone I could see at the end of this getting down on one knee. So she's a finalist, as her Instagram gains suggest. And she ITMs, I see the man I've been searching for, praying for. I've been waiting my whole life for this guy, and he's here. Again, it's not super believable to me, but I think it's enough that it's believable to enough people. I feel like with them ramping up the importance of time and stuff, love leveling early is just a smart thing to do. I'm feeling that too. I got to say in the professional era, it's like the Dale Moss effect, really. What he did is like you have to be able to pull that fucking trigger super early now. You got to pull the trigger and like make it so even if he is interested in the other woman, like you're not love level threeing them so they kind of gotta go but yeah i feel like we're starting to see love level threes happen earlier and earlier we'll have to see with the data but when you up keep upping the competition i'm not surprised that that is what's happening i'm not either i wonder if somehow they will figure out a way to put more strata in the love levels like they'll turn four into eight or something somehow so that they can be hitting one literally every time they see him every time he even walks through a room hey matt i'm at level two now hey matt i'm at level three hey i'm at portion number seven we get to the day portion of the group date the women walk up to a field serena c sees someone shoveling stuff Michelle is a game player. She says, my goal is to move forward, learning everything about that man I can, which makes sense. Notice this week that her Instagram bio is that Maya Angelou quote. 
She's a hardcore player. I don't care what anyone says. She yeah. understands this game and is playing it very well. And Matt James is there. He says, I'm a country boy. Who better to fill us in than proper a proper farmer? This is Farmer Ty. And we meet <laughs> Farmer Ty. <laughs> Who was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Farmer Ty does a hard job here. He has to connect <laughs> the women shoveling shit to how this is somehow a date activity. It says, relationships, they take patience and hard work. You have to deal with shit. That's when you see who your partner truly is. And basically tells them they all have to shovel shit. Can we real quick talk about who the fuck is Farmer Ty? Is this a man who owns a farm just near Nemecolon, coincidentally? Or is he? does he operate the farm animals and shit who live on Nemecolon? Who the, what is this? Where are they? What's going on at this moment? I'm so confused by it. I think he... I, okay. I believe he is the caretaker of these animals i don't think he's a farmer like i don't think these are actual fields i don't think they're like <laughs> yeah but they have well, crops exactly that's like, what he's for his crops what's he fucking growing here and selling but i i believe these are real stables and that they this is real poop that's what you're asking right no i think it's real poop as well i'm just asking like what are these animals doing i guess they must live on the grounds and he just cares for them or is he a fucking actor i don't know but he was entertaining. He was entertaining, and he had a little sidekick. Who we meet? The goat named Frenchie. Ty tells them they have to milk Frenchie, and Frenchie was my. <laughs> Creature of the week. Frenchie was also my. <laughs> Creature of the week. Gotta be. You don't often get names for the creatures. We have to make them ourselves. Nor do the creatures usually have this much of an effect on the game. After the women are all told that they have to milk the creature, MJ steps up and she ITMs. This is actually a good bit of game awareness here. She ITMs one good thing about these group dates is you can sit back or you can choose to shine through. She's absolutely correct in this. You should be doing exactly what she's doing. Take the initiative. Step up. I will milk Frenchie first. Except Frenchie doesn't like MJ. <laughs> By the way, she says, I'll try. And she's literally shouting down other women. A bunch of women also had this idea. This is the new beginning of a cocktail party when the first responder hands him the drink and is like, can I steal you for a second? This is going to start happening on group dates where it's like some group activity. People are going to start fighting always to be the first one now. After the failed milking of Frenchie, they have to get eggs out of a chicken coop and MJ starts doing this weird thing where she's pretending to be afraid of the chickens. <laughs> it was an IFI with chickens. And Jasenia immediately calls her out. MJ is chickening out. It's not scary. I do question if it's authentic. She knows it's a fake IFI. 
Katie also ITMs that she recognizes it's an IFI, but she's like, but it's working. He's fucking talking to her like she's getting one-on-one time. Yeah, he goes over and massages her shoulders. God damn. The power of the IFI is really almost absolute. Like for a lead to be like, fuck you. I think whatever you're scared of or whatever injury or illness you have, I think it's fake. A lead is never going to do that. You have to indulge. You have to. Oh, are you okay? Could you imagine if he did that? There's no way you're afraid of chickens. Get in there and shovel that shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I do believe that we have seen MJ uh, do this with group dates before, right? She wasn't on the boxing. She didn't participate in the boxing. Well, I read that she actually protested it. That she was like, I'm not fighting. I'm not into violence. And therefore, she and Chelsea, who were both on that date, did not fight. That's why we didn't see them in the Mm. document fighting, is that MJ did a protest. Interesting. They didn't get screen time for that. I think if they did, it it would be like, the producers would look terrible. If there's somebody being like, I don't want to box. Sorry. And they're like, okay, you can sit out. No problem. But all you have to keep fighting. I mean, but we see it all the time. We saw that with the glow date. Yeah. With uh, Tia or Raven, <laughs> one of them, Tia probably. It was Tia and Bibi, Bibiana. Yeah. That's a deep cut. Jesus fucking Christ. We're in too MJ. deep. We're in too deep. When I know the two <laughs> players who did a protest on the pro wrestling thing. MJ also somehow is in a scenario with Matt James where he's throwing an egg for her to catch and it breaks in her hand. A creature that could have been and never was because of MJ. And she chases Matt James. Before we get into the chase, what the fuck was that? What what was he doing? He's just lobbing eggs at them? What the, How is that farming? What the fuck is this? That's is it some weird farming game? Farming clues. That's how you farm. Throwing eggs at people? I think it, it was like a toss. Like he was trying to catch it. So there was some sort of egg tossing. There was also something we saw in the tag where there was, they were trying to gather something in the hay with all the shit. While they were attached to food containers so that the other creatures could fucking like try to eat them. I mean, we'll get to that in the tag. That shit was fucking, it reminded me a lot, I'll tell you what, of on, I forget whose season this was, the fucking hot dogs and the pigs. Ben Higgins. Right. The Ben Higgins hot dog pig finasco. Very similar. Yeah. Anyways. Getting animals to attack the woman. <laughs> I'm like, we're too deep in. We need to not be this deep. I know the names of every player who did a forced violence protest. And then it's like, wait a minute. But let's talk about the fucking hot dogs and the pigs of season 20. I know. We're still in portion seven. Um, But so this Matt has crushed this egg in MJ's hand. He runs away. She chases him with the egg, but she stops when he runs into a barn. And I didn't know, I didn't understand why she stopped because I was like, she should go in there, get some makeout time. Instead, he runs through the barn to Piper, who is giving an interview, and he makes out with her while she's having this conversation with producers. It's an interesting move. It was strange. It was edited strangely as well because it was like immediate. As soon as he goes into the darkness of the barn, MJ stops. 
meaning I think they could tell she was MJ could see her in there could see Piper and I think she was like oh shit I can't interrupt somebody else's ITM and then she witnessed Matt kiss her but it did seem very immediate but the interview was outside like in the back of the barn I think oh MJ can see him kissing Piper he comes back out of the barn and like puts his hood up it's just my theory of him being a big situation a child trapped in a grown man's body comes truer and truer every episode yeah he really did misplay this that is definitely something you don't want to do as the lead when you just splattered an egg all over somebody's bare hands and now you're just like fuck you i'm gonna go make out with this other one (laughs) come sleep on the beanbag under my bed yeah the kiss move kind of reminded me of uh, like face planning tyler cameron but the night portion begins in portion eight it is the after party they go to the lodge which is where we've seen a bunch of other after parties and abigail itms that her connection isn't as far along as the other girls she knows love levels are going up and she knows she Mm -hmm. ain't in that race right now matt performs a cheers to getting to know them all better and then matt does a bp that's a bachelor's preference on chelsea that's when the bachelor takes a player and says let's go talk one-on-one time with chelsea she ITM loads a love level three, and then she LL1s him, and he says he feels the same way. He says he's very happy she's there, and they kiss. Pretty solid group date play by Chelsea. Might have been enough to get her the group date rose, but something else happens. Abigail has determined that it's time for her to turn the tables. She's been riding that high of the FIMP, Cloud9, but now she needs something from Matt. And she loads walls. And she, in her one-on-one time with Matt, says, I was feeling kind of defeated, actually. We joke around about the group dates. I'm super excited. But I also want to be as open as I can with you through this process. My biggest fear has become I'm going to disappoint you. And then she starts this story. If I were to have a family, there's just really strong possibility that my kids would be deaf. And she says, my birth dad walked out on my mom and my sister right after getting cochlear implants. I don't view my deafness as baggage, but one of the most important people in my life walked out. If I fully open up to somebody, are they going to do the same thing? And this... PTC that she had this broken home that her kids might be deaf that she has these walls was my play 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 of the game it was such a strong play <laughs> the bachelor and clues and I after we met determined that we would sh- <laughs> had an argument saying that we would shit our pants if abigail doesn't get the group date rose didn't need to happen though because this does get her the rose our pants are clean clean pants a lot of shit this episode it's an unbeatable ptc Absolutely. And it's played at exactly the right time. She's seeing these love levels getting up. She's not getting the one on one, which 
we expected her to get already. Mm-hmm. So it's perfectly timed. And Matt says, I can relate to you by not having a dad. Parallel PTC. It's not something I'm ashamed of. It's made me who I am. The things you're seeing as a barrier, there are things I admire about you and they're encouraging to me about what a future with you would look like. He's saying some version of this to all of the women at this point. It's like, Brittany, Rachel, you know, these things you see as flaws, they make me more attracted to you. I've loved this play by Abigail as well. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't my play of the game, obviously. I felt like hitting a love level three puts you out ahead of the pack a little more than this, but she's playing a fucking expert FIMP strategy here. She's riding off of the confirmation bias of getting that FIMP and then bing, she just drops in another little PTC here. She's not really raising a love level. She's not making any big moves, but she's using a PTC in such a fucking expert way that it's crushing everything else and it's forcing him back into this mode. that's like, oh yeah. I did give you the Fimp Rose and you're now being vulnerable with me. You're lowering her wall. She has to get rewarded for this. Brilliantly played. And Michelle gets a little one-on-one time where they sort of talk around love level wanting each other and kiss, but nothing can compete with this. Portion number nine, we get a weird mid-group day shot of Matt James pondering inside and he says... There's still one more person to talk to regarding the bullying drama. But I thought the bullies were out of the house now. We don't have Victoria or Anna. Got one more. That ponder shot, by the way, was terrifying to me. It's in the dark. He's standing at a window looking out into the night of Nemecolon, fucking rubbing his hands together like he's about to murder. It was such a strange image that they struck right there. And I guess ultimately makes sense because he is kind of about to murder. He must have a safe space. That one person he has left to talk to is going to get egg on her for the second time this group date. (laughs) When Matt James confronts her and says, by the way, your name came up. MJ, how so? People were saying that you're an antagonist and making them feel like outsiders. MJ says, I lead by example. I make peace and harmony. You can trust me. She keeps saying this. I'm the peace and harmony person, motherfucker. She says that this whole episode. Peace and love, bitch. I gotta say, I don't know how much of this is true. They're definitely cutting her to look bad. The only thing she's really said and the only thing that she'll get accused of in any of this is the JV versus varsity thing, which is kind of like just a competitive thing it's not like targeted bullying like victoria did like anna did yeah i mean you can see her kind of enabling victoria and anna earlier in this and i would say what she does to jesenia is certainly bullying later this episode yeah that is true but at this point it's also like she's backed into a corner once it gets to that point the producers have we'll get into it but they manufacture two-on-one here they put together a rivalry that like doesn't need to happen obviously forcing them to fight. Brittany tries to perform a steal from this conversation. MJ tries to block it and fails. Matt James allows the steal. She had it blocked too. This is what fucking made me crazy about this. Brittany comes in and is like, uh, can I talk to him? And she goes, one second. That's all she had to say. That block happens. If she says one second, mm-hmm. she's going to keep talking to Matt James. But then she follows it up with, looks at Matt James and goes, unless you're done with me, She gives him the fucking out. And this was my... 
error, 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 error of the game. I'm not saying she could have stuck around. I think she was gone no matter what. She could have gone out with a little bit of a fucking high note here had she been able to pull off this block for me. It would have shown that she was like at least capable of a high-level play. Instead, she just botched this. It was difficult for me to watch this botched block. If you're going to block a steal, you got to commit to it. Don't half block it. It just makes you... It makes you seem like an inept dick. (laughs) opposed to a successful one (laughs) i literally finished writing the blocking a steel thing in our book yesterday and it is exactly what you're saying it's like if you're gonna block a steel block a fucking steel you don't let them have the fucking lead period you don't give the lead an out you don't give the player an out you just say no and here she just fucking ruined it and she had it that's the thing that kills me she fucking had it Oh, MJ. Well, she goes back to the group and she is on one. She says, something I got out of my time with Matt and I don't like it. My character was put in question tonight. I was called an antagonist in the house, which is a really strong accusation. Anyone here want to talk to me? This does not need to fester. I think I lead by example. The floor is open for a conversation. And Desenia pipes up here says hey uh matt asked about the culture in the house i said terms like varsity and jv so i mentioned your name michelle's like what is varsity she can't keep up (laughs) (laughs) this was an error by jesenia i thought as well by the way um you know mj is doing this very trumpian move where she's like i'm not the bully you're the bully (laughs) you've been bullying me and who was it and so jesenia should have stayed quiet should have learned from katie earlier in tonight's big game instead she fucking like steps right in the bear trap it was me (laughs) i voted to impeach uh MJ says, it was a joke. Nothing against anyone. Like, new versus old, whatever. Don't question someone's character. Jesenia says, character is based on behavior and actions. And MJ says, my actions speak for themselves. And Jesenia goes, so did you admit to it? And MJ says, I haven't been involved. I don't need to explain to you. I know I'm honest. I lead by example. Jesenia, it's the lead by example comment that really rubs me the wrong way. You made it uncomfortable for these girls. That's what you did. MJ, I've tried to stick up for other people. I think I'm owed an apology. <laughs> the word antagonist was used in the house. Just saying it. So you're going to own up to it? To Matt? MJ, I feel like I'm being attacked right now and it's not fair. This is like extremely Trumpian. Just completely gaslighting Jesenia, Gaslighting everybody being like, you know what? Actually, I am the victim here, it turns out. It's just a um, it's a desperate play at this point. It's like there's a room full of fucking people who heard you say it. You can't back out of this. The only tack she had here was head on it. That's like one of two things. Yes, I said it, and it's not as bad as you think. Like, chill the fuck out. Or, yes, I said it, and I'm very sorry. You do an apology or a non-apology, but this thing she's doing here where she's just like my relationship with matt james is for us fuck you you can't blah blah blah. she's like not she's avoiding it in a weird way that is just it's floundering she's going down in flames here no it's a horrible fourth audience game and 
the gaslighting done by MJ here was my error, 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 error of the game. She is victimizing herself, gaslighting. She's saying that Jessenia is speaking over her and like too loud at some point when Jessenia has become <laughs> speaking very eloquently the whole time. Um, her continuing to like ram, I'm the peace and harmony person down everyone's throats felt very much to me like <laughs> this scene I recently watched in Real Housewives of New Jersey where this girl goes up and pulls someone's extensions out of their head and screams love and light. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta watch that show. Danielle Staub. That sounds insane. (laughs) It's one of the earlier seasons. It's fantastic. Katie, who has sat idly by for this entire fucking episode, can't do it anymore. She calls MJ out on deflecting the question and MJ says she feels attacked and she's going to try to set up her own bullying PTC run here, which never quite materializes. Back in the other common room, not where all of our current players are, Kit and Rachel talk about how excited Kit is for her date. The date card arrives. It's the one-on-one B dinner at my place, reads the caption, and Kit starts producing tears because she believes this date might have something to do with cooking and she says her happy place is in the kitchen with her mom which she has told matt james many times and if that is the case it means he's listening to her and he's trying to do this special thing for her back at the after party chelsea itms that she's in good shape for the group date rose matt james returns to the group he had a great time with everyone he says but as we know there is only one rose Someone who was extremely vulnerable with him that night is going to get it. And of course, it's Abigail who pulls that zero pointer. This was Pace Case's play of the game. It was close contention for my play of the game. That PTC pays dividends here. And I'm excited to see what she's going to do next week. I'm hopeful she gets the one-on-one next week. Or Katie. Fuck, I don't know. Katie hasn't had one either. It looks like Piper's getting one. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to our front runners. Portion 10. Matt James is preparing for his Mikasa at Mystic Falls, the estates at Nemecolon. Matt James's pad at Nemecolon. He's lighting candles and dusting. This man has never dusted a single object in his life, and it's very apparent in this gesture. I paused the ship to laugh for like five minutes. He's fucking lifting shit up and dusting around those tables. I'm like, this is Tasha Adams scone zone times a million. If we were to believe Dust that zone. she was whatever the fuck, like whose duster is that? What he gives a shit about this little fucking table, and then later he even is like prop duster. Of course, and then later he's even like, I spent all day cleaning the house. That's a fucking straight lie that the producers made him say. Why would they ever have Matt James cleaning? They would never do that. What does it even add? Nothing. It's some like harebrained idea by one of the producers like, let's have him dusting the table and make it look like he's getting ready for her to come over. What? Who cares? It adds nothing to the narrative. It doesn't raise the stakes in any way. 
It's just a, a waste of time, a bit of business, so that they can have ITM B-roll audio played over just like some fucking a video that's not a ponder shot, I guess. They use too many ponders tonight. I don't know. I thought it was like trying to legitimize his relationship with Kit. I don't know. And we also, it's only a night portion. A one portion one-on-one. Kit comes up to the house with an umbrella. Matt James opens the door. Welcome to me, Casa. Welcome mm-hmm. to the pit, Matt James. 100% accurate. Stone cold, irrefutable evidence that Matt James has listened to and memorized every word we've said on every podcast. He starts his date off with a curveball. He says, I like to order my dessert first. Just like a child trapped in a man trapped in a man's body might. He just put out a video on TikTok this week of his third charcuterie board, and it's all hostess ding dongs and fucking candy bars and shit. <laughs> It also has a cake that says, don't kiss with your eyes open or something, which apparently he does. I haven't really noticed this. Have you noticed? Yeah. The, in the, what was it, last week or the week before, there was like a meme going around, a still of him kissing, um, I forget who it was. I mean, he's like, literally their lips are touching and his eyes are fucking looking at her. <laughs> he knows. Producers are afoot. You got to... <laughs> Keeping both eyes open. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Kit, like, (laughs) Kit knows what PTCs are. And she tries to sort of craft her own. Says, I grew up in the spotlight. A lot of my life is gold Bentleys. I had to maintain a certain image. I built up so many walls over the years. She's doing the right things here. They're not like. The tone of her wall game here is not great, but it's the right thing. It's it's the right thing played at the right time. Hey, it's good enough for Matt James here. They get some kisses. Matt James says, it's just easy with Kit. And Kit goes, I've told you how much being in the kitchen means to me. My mom being such a success story, I think I was protecting myself and getting in touch with my emotions is something I've never practiced Being here and letting those walls down is the first time I've really had to be vulnerable, knowing that once that wall is broken down, you get to see all of me. Matt tells her that everything you bring to the table is 100% kit. He respects her branding. And he tells her that he's thinking about what life will look like after this is over, and she says it will look like this. Yeah. We will be hanging out with each other he doesn't quite understand it so she has to explain the word it, this she's like, to him look again. Like this. she's like hanging out cooking idiot <laughs> like <laughs> and she explains that she just wants the simple pleasures out of her partner and that's what this night was all about she says she's surprised about how open she's been with him and uh, she is starting to fall in love with him this is a love level two the exotic love level she uses it expertly here and of course gets that one-on-one rose of course she love level twos she's so hipster there is nothing flashy about this date there is nothing extraordinary about her play here it is just solid by the book raising the walls when needed Raising a love level when needed. Not a strong PTC, but a PTC that works, and she does get the reward. We start portion 11 with Chelsea Vaughn talking about how she would 
be a turtle thrice over if she turtles at this cocktail party. But is there going to be a cocktail party? There's a knock at the door. Brie reads, MJ and Jasenia, I need to know the truth. Meet me at cocktail party before the other women arrive. This is going to be another two-on-one in the style of Bennett and young Noah on Tasha's season. And this is happening because the producers have scripted it to happen at this point. They're copying the exact same dramatic seasonal structure from La Quinta. And so they needed two players to force into a rivalry. And we've now seen that it's going to be MJ and Jasenia, but it could have been any other two players. They could have slotted anyone in here to do this. But somebody was going to be on this manufactured two-on-one before the cocktail party on this night. Look, we haven't seen the two-on-one yet, but why are they making the why are they diminishing the two-on-one like this? Why aren't they just making it its own date where they go somewhere? I don't know if they can. I think it's because it's the bubble aspect of it. They can't have like a shot of the helicopter leaving somebody behind or <laughs> leaving somebody out on a frozen fucking glacier or whatever. Well, yeah, I know you can't have that, but you could at least make them go sit in that barn. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely not as satisfying. But they do treat it with some respect, at least how they present it. We get all these very beautiful, well-constructed shots that are almost mirror images of Jacinia and MJ walking up to this kind of thing in the middle of the screen and leaving their suitcases. And I was like, well, that's implying that one of them at least is going to go home, right? They don't do that unless it's a one rose, one goes type thing. Right. It is implying that. They had them do everything at the exact same time and they're like parallel with each other it was like a synchronized swimming thing i it was very interesting to watch it was very much like boxing like where you see one boxer comes out and enters the ring the other boxer comes out into the ring you see them coming down like opposite tunnels and shit it's this mirror image of like they are a rival they are a rival they really beat you over the head with it mj throws out some colorful narrator stuff she's still keeping that up even with her toxic turn she says big hair big hoops big energy tonight she threw my character into question and that is toxic y'all want to see me fight get your popcorn embracing the villain role she also is telling that to a producer. That's in an ITM. A producer is sitting across from her and she says, y'all want to see me fight? Get your popcorn. She's basically telling the producer, fine, you did it. I'll do the fucking fight you've been trying to get me to do for the past week. Yeah. <laughs> MJ and Jasenia are alone in this couch formation. MJ says, this is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed to be here, but I'm here because you said my name. You know what I stand for. I preach harmony, peace. You put my character in question with Matt. I preach fucking harmony. (laughs) (laughs) Says, you put my relationship in jeopardy off this accusation of my character. I've never been more hurt in my life. Jasenia, are you done? seemingly unfazed the only reason your name was mentioned was because you started the term jv versus varsity you lied to him you acted like you had no idea there was toxicity in the house i see three sides of you who you are in the house who you are with matt and who you are when the cameras are on she calls out three of the four audiences here she actually calls out all four 
when the cameras are on mm. is both the third and the fourth audience. The producers are watching mm. that. So are the people at home Bachelor Nation. But this is like, Jacinia's in the pit. She's literally defining the multiple audiences. Right. And, and the fact that she can see MJ's weak combined game that each of her play styles is different for different audiences. And really you need to have a unified play style for all of them. Yeah, because you don't want it to look different. You get called out when it's different. And then Jacinia even says, you'll see the truth when this all airs. Jacinia yeah. is aware of the fourth audience as they're shooting. She's like, this shit's going to be a TV show. People are going to watch this. It's not just about what you're doing in game to the other players and to the lead. It's about understanding how you're going to be conveyed to that fourth audience. I really, this was high level shit Jacinia is talking about here. And again, proof to me that we're in that professional era. I think Jacenia has some skills and I'm interested to see how this is going to play out. Me too. And probably everyone is interested because it was the cliffhanger of the episode. Yeah. No present here. No box like they let Bennett give to Noah. It's just two people arguing. They did, however, lay in some interesting audio design. They put like this uh, low kind of drone rumble underneath when they're just sitting there which is something i use in my little videos to like make it more uh uncomfortable as you're watching it it like amps up tension in you as you're watching it so they did that in the show something i put in all my art to make people uncomfortable (laughs) only my bachelor art but yeah matt james comes in and walks down and that's where we cliffhang we get just like they did with noah and bennett by the way it's the exact same format literally exact in the promo we see heather martin is finally going to join us we see serena c is going to attack katie as being an arsonist possible piper one-on-one and then the tag is what we were (laughs) trying to describe earlier the women have these buckets attached to them with i guess goat feed in them while they're digging around in the goat shit trying to find a golden horseshoe which Chelsea Vaughn finds doesn't seem to have rewarded her with any extra time or anything. All of these group date prizes are like the one that they gave to fucking Mari for winning the squirrel thing was a little trophy of gold nuts. I mean, I obviously need to get that from her, but um, the golden horseshoes seemed similar to me that they're just giving out these weird little like, Oh, you won the group date. Well, what does that fucking mean? Nothing. (laughs) But there you have it. That was episode five, season 25, week four of the regular season of play. Who was your MVP? For her, love level one to love level three raise for a perfectly played one-on-one date, Rachel Kirkconnell was my MMMMVP. She got the pretty woman date, which right off the bat, it's a prestige date. You don't need to do much. We rarely see a pretty woman date result in an execution. The only one I can think of is that Vegas one. Sean loved it. Oh. We saw Jason Mesnick did a 
101 Pretty Woman Execution, and we saw Sean Lowe did a Pretty Woman Execution. It's always rough. (laughs) Sean Lowe had to take a necklace off of a woman (laughs) at their goodbye. Before she got back in the car to drive away into the night, he was like, "Uh, I'm going to need the necklace back. It is (laughs) fucking hard to watch. So Kirkconnell didn't need to, didn't really need to pull out all the stops. Um, She could have just coasted here, but the love level three, I think in this Dale Moss era, if you will, Mm. is the way to go in this situation where you don't know when you're going to get time. Fucking raise that love level while you can. Yeah, she was outstanding. That was my play of the game, her love level three raise. I agree with you. She went above and beyond, and it is potentially in this Dale Moss era where you have to just go fucking nuclear on this shit, hard and quick at all times. It's possible that may be the game we're looking at from here on out, or at least for the near future, but she was not my MVP. By the way, she also is fucking solid with her, like, good girl southern roots religious branding she gets a little line in her itm here about how matt is the man she's been searching for and praying for hitting that again yeah she saw it all around like you like we've said i I mean i believe she wins the fucking game based on our instagram numbers alone but this week another player caught my eye who had actually your play of the game Abigail Herringer was my MMMMMVP. I gave her the MVP because I thought what she did in securing that zero point rose. Group date roses are obviously harder to get than one on ones. All you have to do on a one on one to get that rose is first audience game. Group date rose is. Essentially, it's every fucking audience game. And she did it expertly. She essentially played that PTC that was unbeatable. And it guaranteed the zero point rose. So for me, that was the most valuable player because she also was executing this Fimp Rose strategy, which is you get the Fimp and you don't really make any waves if you don't get a one-on-one. If you're not getting group date roses, it's okay. You're just happy to spend time with them and you get your rose ceremony roses. And here... She upped it a notch and got that group date rose, which is not only obviously good for this round of the game, but it is, again, that confirmation bias that she can get something like this out of him again if she needs to. I think she is going to get a one-on-one out of this as well. Yeah, I think she is in a, she's a more astute player than I think people might think at first. She's timed this. She was she's noticing the love level raises. And she didn't even have to use a love level raise. Moving forward now, almost in every interaction, she can do a love level raise with him. So she has a kind of predetermined progress chart ahead of her that's gonna, if played effectively, carry her through into playoffs, I feel. Her getting that first interview on Bachelor Happy Hour makes me think she's going to be with us for some time i agree time will tell but thank you everyone for joining us for our analysis of this week's big game some huge plays here happening in the professional era and we will be back 
on Thursday with This Week in Bachelor Nation. There's so much to talk about in Bachelor Nation. All the crazy news surrounding Dale and Claire's breakup and the different videos that they're putting out kind of dueling still like this is not going away. Everything that Dylan Barber said on Twitter and Jed's podcast, which is coming out. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, it's coming out today. We will be digging into that. And of course, we'll be talking about the state of the world, um, which is probably going to have something to do with AMC and everything that's going crazy on the stock market. But who knows? We still have a couple days. <laughs> who knows what the state, what state will be in at that point? That is true. Thank you to everyone who joined us on our pregame live show on our Patreon. And thanks as always for all the tids that you're sending to me at Basher Clues. I love them. I survive on them. Please keep sending them. And before we go, as always, what is the Dwab at? It has been 6,889 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.